listen, same vision is for equal rights and justice for the people, them. What's happening to this beautiful world that we're living in? World citizen, lift up your voices. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the People Powered Planet Podcast, where each week we have amazing solutionaries working on how we solve all the incredible problems of the world in new and visionary ways, in ways aligned with what Gary Davis was talking about in our movie, The World is My Country, where he proposed that we evolve a people-powered planet. And uh, today, we have a super special guest, uh, a visionary scientist, an author, a futurist, a system architect, a key leadership catalyst for the transition to a thrivable civilization. Uh, let me just give you a little quote from Jean Houston, who has co-authored a book with her, uh, the book called The Quest of Rose, the first of the future human, the future human trilogy. And Jean Houston, uh, who many of you know, uh, said, Anna Luce, Anna Luce Smithman, Smithman is a treasure trove of ingenuity and wisdom. One of those who, one whom leaders in social evolution is regarded as a person who has the genius to implement revolutionary solutions and the visions that can advance the necessary development of both people and the planet. Wow, that's what we're here for. So welcome, welcome, Adelouse. Welcome to the People Powered Planet podcast. Thank you so much, Arthur, and great to be here with all of you. <laughs> so um, let's, just, let's just start uh, with a little brief overview where uh, perhaps you can just first tell us about you and your journey and what took you to, into uh, developing visions and, and systems for the ways we can actually uh, evolve uh, 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 in a new interactive way of, of governing and dealing with our planet? Mm, well, that's a great question. <laughs> it could take many hours to answer that. But uh, what really started the journey for me was just, it's very simple, actually. It's my love for nature uh, and my love for, for life. And I always found uh, that nature has a remarkable intelligence and, and wisdom. And so when I grew up as a little girl, I spent a lot of time in the farmlands in the Netherlands uh, roaming around, taking care of horses. Uh, they were my first teachers. And then I noticed that humans have a way of making things utterly complicated, um, where it doesn't have to be. <laughs> and where animals had a more direct way of communicating. And what I noticed with nature is nature always gives feedback. It's, it's very clear. And when I remember looking out um, on the fields and you know you can see the storms going, and coming and uh, then also my parents uh, had a sailing boat and uh, it was a small boat in those those days and we would go on the north sea uh, and you know charter new ways uh, through the waters and there again learned a lot of respect for nature um, when you're sailing you have to anticipate on, on what is coming and you're looking at the patterns in the wave and you're looking at the patterns in the clouds and that way you can see into the future. You can see sometimes hours into the future of what's coming and you learn to adjust your sails because you learn, don't ever try to fight with nature. Don't fight with the ocean, listen. And, and so I developed that attitude from a very early age, you know, listen to life, listen to nature, watch the patterns and that way nature will take care of you. And it's actually that relationship um, and a deeper love for architecture 
um, the architecture of systems and uh, finding ways, new ways in which we can co-create uh, this beautiful world. Um, yeah, that, it, I took that with me. In, that's still there today in everything <laughs> that I'm doing. Um, and I'm always asking the question, well, what if we could? <laughs> uh, wow. You know, why, why not? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that is so, so inspiring. Uh, because right now, when we look at the world, we're finding uh, just a total breakdown of the old systems. I mean, here right now, we're seeing that that the most powerful, one, two most powerful empires in the world couldn't beat African uh, Afghanistan tribesmen. Uh, the Soviet Union tried for, for, for years and they couldn't do it. And now the US has been in there 20 years with massive military power. They couldn't beat, uh, uh, they couldn't defeat a country because what happens is every time you use military power, you create more enemies and you become weaker. We're finding that there, that military power is an oxymoron because military is powerless and more and more is not gonna do it. So now we have to start thinking, what are some new systems? What are some ways that we can interactively uh, reshift the world, our economy and so on, so that we can actually create a thrivable planet? The current planet, current system is taking us on a course to doom. I mean, really the end, end of uh, life on the planet through nuclear climate change and so on. What is the emerging new system? And as a kind of systems architect, thinking about that, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on what you're evolving. Thank you. Yes, and I agree with you that, you know, if we're looking at the systems of our current world, it's designed for collapse. It's not designed for sustainability, let alone regeneration or thriveability. Um, so first of all, before we uh, start to design new systems, we have to understand how not to design the world. And I think we have so many um, experiments and experiences now that we need to learn from. So if we're looking at the design principles for regeneration and thriveability, first of all, what you're seeing is that it's always co collaborative diversity. And if we're looking at the, the systems that we have in place now, um, they are designed to polarize, they're designed to divide. Also, when we're looking at the way natural systems renew and regenerate and, and give birth to new evolutionary expressions, um, there's nobody left out. Everything that's within the system becomes part of its next iteration. So, so there's never any informational loss, for example. Now look at the design of our democracies. By design, we design to reject. We design in such a way that there's always a winner and a loser. So a democracy renews itself by rejecting part of itself, <laughs> which are the people that were not, that were not elected. So you really, when you think about it, by design, it's like, I mean, could we really have expected anything else you know, than the outcome that we have in today? So there are some fundamental design principles, starting with the universe, as Buckminster Fuller always said, start with the universe. Start with understanding how does life, how does our universe itself come into being? How does it grow? How does it develop? And then how does it evolve? And apply those same principles. So then the, the first principle we're wow. starting with is really unity yeah, and wholeness. That, that, that is, is such a beautiful concept, such, a, such an important click in our thinking. Uh, you know, we've got these old uh, concepts that have become almost like uh, uh, you know, you can't challenge them. They're they're like this is this 
the democracy, that, that's the thing. And when you think about it, it really is part of a system that was a great advance in 1776 when we didn't have any way of interconnecting the people of the planet, uh, you know, to send people to a distant room, but as Gary, to, to govern for us, but as Gary says in the movie, The World is My Country, now today we can all meet in the global room. Uh, you know, we don't need to need to be sending off representatives and we don't need a win-lose democracy. He talked about mm -hmm. evolving a synergistic interactive system, just like what you're saying, where everybody is involved. Uh, just to just tell you briefly, he designed it around kind of Bucky Fuller's uh, geodesic sphere principle, where each person is, is on top of the world in their sphere and interacts with other people. And the interaction of all the different people comes together. Instead of the old top-down organizational chart, we're all interactively uh, developing the, the future of our dreams. Uh, so how do we do it? <laughs> <laughs> That's the golden question, right? <laughs> well, this is again the, the new decisions about how, for example, is decision rights distributed in a system? Yeah, so who makes those decisions? How do we form agreements? Um, how do we create representatives? Um, you know that really represent the diversity. So, fundamentally, it comes back to also reconfiguring. Uh, the basic premises of what we, what we think about governance, uh, but underlying that before we go there, we need to relook really at what do we mean by success and progress, because a lot of the political models that we're having, uh, and even the educational models, underlying that there is an economic model <laughs> and an economic agenda, uh, which has been telling humanity that progress means exponential growth. Well, the only pattern where we're seeing exponential growth in nature and, and who have we seen that the last year is virus, right? Virus and bacteria. So and humanity cancer. has and been cancer. modeling. Yes, yes exactly. That's, that's exponential growth. <laughs> that's exponential growth. And it always leads to exponential collapse because if you're taking the, the unity and the interdependence of life as given, then we also need to understand that the way that life grows interdependently means that it needs to regulate all kinds of systemic boundaries and an exponential growth curve as a developmental trajectory will always um, cause problems of thresholds uh, and, and damage to these boundaries, uh, which means that we are justifying the sacrifice of some species uh, in order to create a win for others. So. Underlying all of that, there's, there's an archetype model. Archetypes are really the deepest structures of systems. There's an, there's an archetype of, of what we think of growth, what we think of progress, that is completely out of sync uh, with life. So this is really number, the first step is come to understand what do we really mean by progress and success. Yes, uh, that, that's, that is really crucial. And and you've done some experiments and, and, and are working on some key ideas for how we do that. I, I understand you're actually evolving a new uh, constitution. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm part of, um, well, it's really a network of networks called SEEDS. Yeah? And it brings together people from all over the world in this living experiment. And as that, um, I was part of the architects for creating a constitution for SEEDS um, which really serves then as a framework for how do we create now regenerative financial educational governance systems based on decentralized holomic governance principles and not this hierarchy. And so when we say holomic, uh, a holon is a wholeness nested within a larger wholeness. So 
it's not hierarchical, it's not centralized, it's not enforced, um, but it has the kind of coherence that you were showing earlier. And so how do we coordinate now? It's really based on the deeper question, how do we coordinate the genius and the goodwill and the love and the care of so many people from around the world who say, you know, the futures is our commons, the earth is our commons, and it's also our common responsibility. And let us all bring forward the best of our humanity and see what we can do. I think that's so crucial to bring out the best in our humanity. You know, what happens in these systems that divide us and pit us against us is that almost every force in the world is working to try to do good for their fellow men. The suicide bomber who's willing to die to mm -hmm. blow himself up to help his community. Uh, you know, the Republicans, the Democrats, the Palestinians, the Israelis, everybody is, is actually filled with love for trying to help their fellow humans. And they've been stuck in this broken system that pits that love into go kill the bad guys. And the go kill the bad guys hasn't worked. <laughs> Killing bad guys never has actually achieved uh, the objective that we want. So we need to start, and I love that you're starting to think about uh, how do we develop a, a new system for harnessing that incredible love that fills the planet. You know, Darwin, mentioned love many, many more times than he mentioned survival of the fittest. And yet we've taken that idea that somehow pitting against each other is what thrives. That's failing. That's a broken system. So what is your system for, for bringing us together? <laughs> well, before I go there, because now you made this really good point, so I'm going to respond to that and then I'll share with you the slides. So first of all, you, you mentioned the word sacrifice. So we were saying, what are some of the kind of assumptions, the, the wrong assumptions that we've had about human nature and life, yeah? We had that exponential growth model, extractive growth doesn't work. Well, here's another one that you just, you just pitched it, and that's sacrifice. Yeah. So if we're looking at humanity's belief system, and, and this goes back, and it features in a lot of the different religions as well, is very often it's the belief that we, and, and I call that the earliest form of trading, that we need to sacrifice either ourselves or something of someone else, or we need to sacrifice human life or an animal, if we go with religious sacrifices, in order to get something back from this greater mysterious whole that we don't know how to name. But for a long time, thousands of years, humanity had this belief system that if we are sacrifices and we, so we create a loss <laughs> somewhere, then we get a gain or we get protection or uh, we get a good harvest. And so the sacrificial way of thinking and how that's all been mixed up at people's notions of love, I think is very problematic. Um, so fundamentally, why am I raising that? Because there's also fundamentally we need to review how we evolve. Do we always need to come to the to really the brink of death? Do we need to manifest collapse to this extent? Do we need to create so much pain in order for that to be a gain? You know the saying, no pain, no gain? Well, what if we can evolve in a way that's more gentle, with a whole lot more care, and we don't have to destroy our planet before we start to appreciate actually what we have? So I think it's so important that if you do not uh, transform the underlying, those deepest roots, rooted belief systems and assumptions of humanity, and we just think that we can fix it only with designing new systems, you know, we're fooling ourselves. So <laughs> there's, a, 
underneath that, there's a deeper, deeper transformation. And so with that, I'm happy well, to go to the And I know, I know that's a whole other <laughs> subject, a big subject in your book, yeah. uh, which yeah. we'll be getting to later, The Quest of Rose, the, the first of the future human trilogy. But let's first start with what is the, 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 the architecture that you've evolved? Exactly. Now I can show you that so that we don't look at it just as another technology. So the first question, of course, what is SEEDS? So SEEDS is really, it is an ecosystem, yeah? So SEEDS also, it has um, technologies. Yes, it even has a currency, a, a regenerative digital currency, has new governance models, um, new financial economic systems, but yes. most of all, yeah. And I, I love uh, acronyms. So I, I'm so glad you have sewing, ecological, equitable, <laughs> and decentralized society. So we are planting the seeds for, for a whole new future for humanity. Wow. <laughs> that's it, that's it. And let me emphasize again, I am one of many amazing people in this community. It's a very horizontal structure, there's no boss. <laughs> and uh, you know, so we, we are really all showing up together and giving right. the best that, that we can and always constantly It's a word many people don't know, but it's called chaotic organization. And that's a great <laughs> way to interactively uh, evolve a new future for us, but continue. <laughs> That's it, exactly. So let me share with you a little video. While most of us dream of recreating a cleaner, greener, and more beautiful world, the financial system has very different priorities. It relies on infinite exploitation to feed a dream of endless growth. In reality, though, our lives depend on one planet with finite resources. And with that planet in the midst of a climate crisis, this disconnect between our financial system and our ecosystem is one we can no longer afford. Seeds offers a solution, a movement that allows us to share financial success, distribute value fairly, and move towards the common vision of a thriving civilization. Seeds gives humanity the tools to reimagine what money can be and do. A financial ecosystem designed to regenerate our planet. Seeds, all uppercase, is the ecosystem's name. And Seeds, capital S, is its currency. One that's already rewarding the people and organizations, creating a healthier, more equal and abundant world. Seeds uses cutting-edge technology aimed at creating a more healthy and stable economy, and there are no fees for using it. In fact, the more you exchange, the more value you help create. Value that Seeds reinvests in the planet via grants to community projects, regenerative businesses, and movements. Better still, as the value of Seeds grows, it flows to all members of the Seeds ecosystem, not based on wealth, but on how much they contribute to healing the planet and shaping Seeds itself. That's right, Seeds is a true democracy that lets us all own the change we want to see in the world. Wow, that, 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 that very much reminds me of uh, Gary's vision for, he created the kilowatt, uh, the kilowatt dollar way back in 1957, a global currency. And, and was one of the original thinkers in these areas, but you're actually doing it. Uh, so, so this is terrific. Tell us more. <laughs> yes, that's right. So here's just, just a quick overview of the of the whole ecosystem, and and that is you know growing as well. So, I would really encourage people to go and have a look on the website where there's a lot and lot of information. But as we're talking about the constitution, so this is what I'll, I'll be focusing on. What are some of those design principles and agreements and premises? Um, that we've really been bringing together. 
And uh, so this is the, this constitution is now officially in place. It's been um, adopted by its citizens, its citizens. And uh, we started with the first draft presented on Earth Day 2020. It went through a lot of iterations, eight plus. Uh, we had a lot of constitutional assemblies to keep asking for input from people and refining it further and, and keep working on that collective agreement. Um, with a lot of passionate discussions, over 1500 plus comments, about 120 people uh, plus gave their inputs and, um, you know, and, and were part of this journey. So I just want to emphasize that, that there is this collective wisdom and intelligence that is underneath that. And where my task really came in is to provide um, kind of a found, foundational structure for it, which was called the Compass. And that's based on the design of the Thrivability Compass or Cosmic Compass as it features in the Quest of Rose, the first book uh, that you just were sharing about. And um, so the Cosmic Compass or Thrivability Compass is really an experiment in looking at how do we now implement uh, cosmic and natural laws uh, in the way that we govern our human societies uh, with, of course, the the deepest purpose and intention is to care for our planet and for our future uh, and for each other. And so what you're seeing here on this slide is that part one of the constitution actually acts as a compass. So that means that when we have to make decisions, um, do we grow our roots or do we grow our branches? Um, we can go back to the constitution and ask ourselves, how do we do that? What do we prioritize? What are our goals? If we have to make the, the decision in terms of um, uh, how are we measuring what is survivability or regeneration? And how do we know the impacts of the projects also that we're funding? We go again back to the constitution. Uh, if we're creating new algorithms or you know, technological formulas uh, from behind the scenes for how the technologies are working and operating, we go back again to the constitution to see if it really is in line with the agreements that we formed. Uh, and then the part two of the constitution is working out the governance now, what are our rights and, and responsibility and how do we re also resolve our problems if there are any problems and how do we keep investing also in our own future potential and also of course the future potential uh, of humanity and our earth, what are our terms of agreements and and really bringing to the fore um, the earth and non-human life as well as really at, at the forefront of the constitution. So I'll share with you just very, very briefly uh, some of these cosmological principles because we shared early start with the universe, start with living systems, that intelligence that is given. And if anything, what we're seeing from our climate crisis and biodiversity loss, um, is that when we create human systems that don't apply living system principles, we create a lot of problems. And there are a lot of problems that we can uh, you know, stop <laughs> that, that are in our control to do differently. So the compass then, first of all, it helps us to, to get a shared agreement around what is like a North Star. Uh, what are we navigating for? So what we are aiming for here is truly the, the founding and the, and the co-creation of a whole new civilizational model that's based on Earth citizenship. Um, and, it, and we call ourselves, therefore, the, really the, the future ancestors 
of regenerative, thriveable civilization with life-centered governance. So that's our vision. And if we're looking now at index compass, the, the purpose here is that in the center of the compass is little black dot. And that little black dot represents the deeper unity of life. And that, that unity of life is given in everything. <laughs> um, but we need to know how to recognize it, the unity and diversity, and then also be coherent with how it then brings itself into expression and us and evolve. And that is where the three laws of life or three evolutionary principles uh, really come into play. And I'll, I'll, in the next slides, I'll share a little bit about that. Also, the compass holds the coordinates and the deeper growth model of five future archetypes. Um, so these five archetypal systems together helped to actualize our future potentials in a way that's collaborative, in a way that's regenerative, in a way that's thrivable by honoring the interdependencies of how we grow together uh, and, and really vital systemic boundaries. And the compass also holds eight coordinates, eight little white dots that you see there for our developmental values, for what are the values that are navigating how we are growing outwardly, how we are expressing ourselves outwardly, but at the same time, therefore, how do we grow inwardly so that we always have that balance? You could also say the outward expression are more the masculine values and the inward expressions are more the feminine values and how they work in partnership together. The compass also holds the coordinates for 13 architectural principles uh, of living systems, really calling the cosmic architecture principles of life itself and our universe. And then at the outer edge of the compass, you see 16 dots. And these are the 16 coordinates um, that are, are really our shared commitments that we know it's for those commitments that we need to come together uh, and that we uh, you know, are giving our love and our service uh, in order to, to make this experiment work. So here's a little bit of a in-depth view of inside uh, the compass then. And these three evolutionary principles are based on three laws of life. And all of this is based on a lot of research of what's come out of the new paradigm sciences. This is uh, research of um, evolutionary systems design. This is research based on informational sciences, cosmology, the new physics, uh, quantum mechanics. Uh, so it, this is not something that we've just kind of made up. <laughs> right. There's a lot of thinking, yeah, and a lot of people's uh, great understanding of the questions again of, you know, what is it about the, the nature of reality itself that we need to understand? And, and that's a huge paradigm shift from coming from this classic Newtonian physics seeing the universe as composed of separate parts and particles that were kind of coordinated through um, mechanical laws to a whole new paradigm of thinking of seeing that the nature of reality of life is, is unified so that we are seeing that rather than looking at matter as, as being the foundation, that reality itself is informational. And that when we're looking at the informational patterns um, of also our physical universe that we find an incredible coherence 
uh, and then if we start folding those kind of levels of reality back into itself, then we find there's an underlying unity of it all. Yeah, so that's what this expresses. The first law, law of existence, that existence is unified, law of change. Change happens in spiral patterns, both outwardly and inwardly, that uh, creates uh, the evolutionary coherence and deeper complexity. And law of balance is, is really um, having boundaries that within you know, living systems there is autonomy, sovereignty, that is interdependent rather than the old way of thinking about sovereignty as if being supreme or having control over, um, which doesn't work. So this is then the declaration of seeds that we as the people of seeds adopt this constitution as a living compass. Yeah? Um, and here we have just a little bit about vision. So humanity is wise, joyful and loving partners co-creating a flourishing world together. And I'm not going to read it out, but I'm just going to show you very deeply how you can then see how every next principle is evolving from what precedes it and how we build that out. And there will be a link where you can see um, and read the whole constitution, which can be surfing also as a framework um, for, you know, for similar uh, experiments and commitments. Yeah, <laughs> see, and these are our architecture protocols. Well, thank you. I think that'll be very exciting for us all to go to the website, which is in the uh, in the chat there, and go through this in more detail because there's some many very creative thoughts that have gone into creating this, and very very deep inspiration. So it is inspiring. Now, let me ask you: uh, one of the things in in our movie that Gary talked about was just having a simple app in your phone that he called SmartGov, and where people could, in a simple way, interact with this and and some of these lofty concepts may, may lose some people. How does this come down to a, a, the simple way that, you know, the average person will be able to be involved and to be able to be part of helping to make and, and to implement decisions for the planet that can, that can save us from doom? How, how will this look for, for you and I? <laughs> well, first of all, I mean, with, you're talking. You're asking us specific about seats, or you're talking about if we were to apply this also to other. Well, this constitution, as this constitution evolves, how does it? How does it then come down to the uh, stage where, uh, if, if many people are joining in this, uh, what will it look like? Right. How how will it uh, change things? Some of these concepts are complex for people to to take in. How how can people in a in a simple way? Uh, interact through this through this structure that you're evolving, where yes. we can develop uh, and, and and build a regenerative future. Okay, so then the first step is really as important is that it gets implemented in other forms of constitutions. So that similar thinking, it doesn't have to be exactly the same articles, but similar thinking becomes part of other constitutions. And why does that matter? Because we need new agreements around the way that we set our goals, the way that we make decisions, that we new agreements around what we think about inclusiveness, what gets rewarded, why, where is our, so in a very simple way, where is our yes, where is our no, how can we have influence uh, on what is happening? And what we are finding is where kind of at the pitfalls of the damage is often when people get rushed pressured and then convinced that certain again, sacrifices are necessary, certain compromises are necessary, because if you don't compromise on this, then you won't get that. It's that thinking that's really problematic. And what this constitution is saying, giving a guideline and saying, no, don't go that way. We've done that over and over again. 
and people get hurt and the planet gets hurt. So here are a set of principles that we can use now as guidelines to keep coming back to, uh, to making sure that diversity is represented, that um, we are prioritizing, for example, also on, on regeneration of our planet, that we have guidelines for deciding how much uh, can we take from nature and what do we need to give back and how do we also, and that's, I think, the most important thing, how do we embed the informational architecture of living systems in the economic systems? Well, Education. you mentioned the economic system. Yeah. Uh, you tell us a little bit more about how that seeds currency uh, would work and how that would uh, allow, allow the, the great, uh, uh, all the great human potential of humans to be more released. I mean, one of the things that, uh, that Gary observed was that uh, the current economic system, like, uh, because it sort of pits us against us, it's based on scarcity. And, and, and so many people have, have so many things they want to do to serve others, to help the planet. To do, but this economic system squashes that, squelches it, says you can only do one thing, make money. And, and, it, and it squelches that human potential. How do, we, how do we evolve an economic system that gives, makes, lets us blossom the human potential? <laughs> The human well, thriving for, for doing something worthwhile for others that everybody has. <laughs> yeah. Well, it starts by really not putting GDP in the center of everything. Yeah. Um, so again, what we've taken as a measure for what we're seeing is, is success or value is, is completely out of touch with reality. So within seeds, we have many, many different ways to also reward uh, people's values and contributions to the seeds currencies, gratitude tokens, uh, trust tokens, there are all kinds of ways in which people are, but also how they're receiving a share of, of the system value that's created. So it, that's the first thing. It's a new way of thinking about value creation, value contribution, but also how you distribute uh, you know, the wealth and the well-being within the system fairly and equally. A lot of people really, well, yeah, feeling used. They feel used and abused by the systems they're participating in, but they don't know another way. So when, what I've noticed is that people are, they see it's possible that there is another way in which we can also exchange skills for skills. I have, for example, a lot of agreements in my community where we don't have financial flows, but we are, we are exchanging time for time and skill for skill and value for value. Uh, we make agreements on how we support each other. Yeah. Wow. There are transactions, for One very interesting, very practical example of that is the Global Citizen Festival, where the Global Citizen uh, brings in all the top singers, musicians, fantastic movie stars, and so on, and you can't buy a ticket to the festival. You have to earn your ticket by serving humanity, doing positive things, and you get reward points for that to get to go to this incredible music festival. Uh, I think that's sort of a practical example of the kind of thing you're talking about. Let me just let you say a little bit more then uh, about uh, how this new economy, how the seed economy would work, and then we'll throw it open to questions. It only is going to work if we are going to make that work, if we are going to participate. It's so important because very often systems are being designed by other people for other people. <laughs> Uh, and, and there is already then there a distance and then it becomes so technologically abstract and difficult that a lot of people, they don't even have any idea how to give input because they feel it's so far away. Within seats, for example, everybody can join around the conversations, be part of the table, 
Um, there's a whole academy around it where we're helping people also onboarding, where they where they get education and training uh, without having to pay. In fact, they're earning seeds. <laughs> Amazing for learning how to use the tools and technologies. And then every technology that is there has a design code in it that it can evolve. So if we find there's a smarter, there's a better way to do it that can be brought forward to the table, uh, that can be experimented on, and, and then that can be adopted so that you know, we don't have this um, behind the scenes engineering of human greed. Instead, it's really you know, designed for collaboration, designed for gratitude and for appreciation. And yeah, I find that people are actually deeply collaborative if they're given the right conditions and support and they feel safe to be collaborative. Go ahead and comment briefly on how we take that complexity and turn it into simplicity of application. I mean, storytelling is a, is a wonderful way. That's why we wrote The Crest of Rose. So The Crest of Rose is an allegory with stories of characters that everyone can relate to. Um, and so that we can feel it in our bodies and also with a lot of different practices that we can then integrate. Um, but also I feel it's so important that people go back in nature. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, where did I learn a lot of that? I learned it by spending time with the animals, spending time on the ocean learning to see the patterns in nature. I mean, that was the basis of my first education about living systems. And so when you get a feeling and a sense also for the flows and the rhythms and the cycles of life, I mean, that's the foundation for becoming regenerative and, and thrivable. And when you have that deeply inside your body, when that becomes your compass, you can feel when you're in the wrong kind of complexity. You can feel when you're in a technology where you just feel disconnected or you feel edgy and you feel that it's not working so remember you know that we have our everyone has an inner compass all of us are life all of us are nature and that's for me where <laughs> yeah we need to ground it into that wow that is such an incredibly beautiful vision well i'm very excited by getting to to just begin to build this with you and we certainly want to be collaborators in it uh let me now turn it over to melanie our producer on the show and on the film, The World is My Country, as she will handle uh, bringing in the questions from all of you. Thank you. Anna Luce, thank, thank you, Arthur. Anna Luce, my goodness. Oh my gosh, this is a lot for some people to process, I'm sure, because <laughs> to really go back to how do things really work? I mean, we made a system, you know, we, we thought we'd probably, you know, not, not me, but the, the people who were making the system that we have today thought they were doing what was right. And so here we have, uh, now we know it wasn't and we're, it's not working and we need to do something different, of course. And um, so thank you for explaining. I know it's, it's a lot for, for some people to, to grasp the compass and what that all means, but it doesn't matter. I mean, the, the, not everybody has to get everything about every part of it. It's the idea that we are working together, doing a, a system that will um, allow us to continue. And it sounds like it's beautiful. It's very peaceful to watch that video, to watch, to see just the, the a future possibility, to look into the future. And then you did, a. Um, a kind of a imaging or some people visioning that I that I listened to was excellent because you just you need that you need to take a moment and say okay 
I can see something better instead of just swimming in, oh my God, this is awful and running to try to fix different things like that. No, it's perfect that, that you have this, this, um, this whole, it actually encompasses everything. So now let's go to questions we have today. We have Michael, Michael, if you'd like to go ahead and ask your question. So thank you so much. What a wonderful talk. And I'm excited to learn more about seeds. So looking high earth and I see it's decentralized. Now, is this based on a form of blockchain uh, technology? And if so, is there going to be a current involved uh, as far as the seeds distribution? How does it work? Yeah, well, I don't want to go into all the technicalities, but what I will do is share the links of all of that, because otherwise it may scare a lot of people. But yes, it is based on blockchain. It's not Bitcoin at all. Uh, it's not based on mining uh, at all. Um, and we are using regenerative <laughs> algorithms, uh, very different you know, from many of the other crypto cryptocurrencies. And it is a stable cryptocurrency. Um, so th that is what is uh, behind it on the on the crypto side of it. It's already providing finance also for a lot of different projects. And um, I will share the links where I, I can give you all the technical details, but just to make sure that we're not uh, overwhelming other people with a lot of technical terms. Yeah, I'll keep it short. Today. Good. Yes, okay. good idea. And then everyone remember to share, to save your chat. So the three buttons, yes. just click on <laughs> save chat. Now let's go to Richard. Richard, you are next. Well, thank you very much, Melanie. And thank you uh, for this uh, very interesting talk. Uh, I just saw there you mentioned uh, human rights and the United Nations, of course, has the Declaration of Human Rights. But I've come across indigenous people and they feel that rights must be earned by contributing to their community. And I was just wondering if you could comment on what you actually mean by human rights. Yes. Well, I actually talk about stewardship. So this is why I was in the CIS constitution. It's not just about rights. It's also about responsibilities. It's really important. Um, this is, of course, what the Earth Charter was seeking to bring into being because there was a major gap uh, after, you know, there was so much emphasis on the, on the human rights and not the human responsibilities. But unfortunately, because the Earth Charter wasn't adopted by the UN, uh, it, it hasn't been implemented uh, as widely as I feel it should be. Um, so the indigenous principles around stewardship, around collective responsibility, uh, are really at the foundation also of, of the SEEDS constitution. And I believe that also the, the thinking about rights, a lot of that comes off, again, that old mechanistic uh, way of thinking about life and reality as if we are separate parts, separate agency. Um, but if we are starting to shift rather from emphasis on independence to interdependence, so how does a governance and agency for interdependence looks like, then you see that you cannot decouple um, rights uh, from responsibilities. They're really one and the same. Perfect. Thank you, thank you. And now let's quickly go to Claire. Claire, with your question. Uh, was interesting seeing how you reacted to a, a dog. Uh, and um, I agree that pets uh, use a lot of uh, resources from the world. So uh, I was wondering if um, you have some ideas about limiting uh, pets, household pets. <laughs> That's a great question. Well, that brings it all to the whole meat industry, right? I mean, the whole agricultural industry. 
it's, it's, it's a major problem, especially now with the methane release uh, and accelerating the, you know, the, our climate crisis. Um, <laughs> I have to be careful how I answer this question because I don't want to, you know, people to think that suddenly they, they can't have pets. But for me, again, the principle is start to really look at where are we going over major thresholds and boundaries and what can we each do? What can all of us do um, to create a more livable earth and to be really, really aware, of course, about uh, our impact, you know, on the environment, of course. Um, and that, that, is, that includes your own family. It includes also, of course, the animals that you are living with. Um, and, and I also believe that if everyone is making an effort to reduce our ecological footprints, you know, if everybody's making an effort, um, there's so much more we can create with less. It's amazing what we can do, but if we keep thinking it's only the big business, it's only the big industry, it's only the polluters out there, and we're not bringing it back to ourselves. Yeah, that we, we're not really living in the, in the kind of consciousness that's going to make the difference. So it's, it's in all the little bits together that can also create huge impacts. Yes, and then in nature, there's a balance. I mean, anytime there's too much of something, um, it throws everything off, whether it's people, animals, or whatever, pollution, anyway, throws everything off, and we need the balance. We need to keep the balance and be aware of it. It's just the right. nature of that's how things work. We have to keep in balance. So yes, now, Catherine, please go ahead with your question. I'm just wondering how, like, what does it look like on the ground? Like, okay, our community adopts it all. Like we all, is it like we can all go to this way of this new economy and say our whole, um, our whole community decides to adopt it and just trade with that. How does it look like, like, I mean, I just can't imagine wanting to be on a computer or have your phone to trade with the local farmer down the road to buy my groceries. Like, like, is there a coin? Like, how does that work? Yeah, there is. Yeah, I don't have my phone with me. So you have you download, you have a seeds passport or a wallet in which you have the currencies that you can be using also indeed for trading. Um, so... I wouldn't say that I can completely replace the current economic system yet. I don't think we are yet at that point, uh, but I can, it can reduce <laughs> a lot of the things we are attributing to, you know, the conventional economic systems. It's also giving finance for people who are planting trees, uh, farmers. Um, so there's, there's ways in which the currency itself can be used um, to, to pay and reward people for services they're providing. Uh, but also soon we'll be able to um, also exchange it for fiat currencies. Um, and, and of course, that's, that bridge is important as well for a lot of people who still have to, to pay with a US dollar or a euro or their own local currencies. So those, those bridges, they are working on that as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's helping a lot of communities, but it's also what it's doing again, not just in terms of the finance, but on the decentralized governance model. So, it's giving people the technologies as well uh, in terms of communication and the new governance models for being able to organize the creativity in that community um, and to, to really facilitate that process 
uh, some of some of the projects that are coming up now they're called village in a box <laughs> regenerative village in a box and then linking up also the different villages around value regions so this is again where we're harnessing that collaborative uh potential and and creative efforts of so many people people learning about each other much more quickly learning how to can they can support each other and how they um, can benefit from best practices across uh, so it's it's a lot more than finance and i think it's really important that we don't get stuck in the old way of thinking of we need money or we always need finance for something um, you know, we are our greatest resources, uh, really. Yes, and a lot can get done. People just doing service, volunteering, you know, not needing money or compensation. Um, it's just the reward of doing something great. So yeah, quick, 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 Barbara, you, you're next. Barbara, you're up. It's so good to see you. Jean Houston is an old friend of mine. And Dr. Mueller was my husband before he passed. So I want you to give my best wishes to Jean. And then I want oh, to, oh, it's wonderful to see you. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about the book that you are, have coming out, the Future Humanity Trilogy. When will that come out? It's already uh, available. Yeah. So if you go um, to the website. There you are. You can go to <laughs> futurehumans.world. It's a beautiful book. There it is. So definitely get this book. Get this book. Thank you. And then my question is, are you living near Jean these days? Do you live in the community where she is so you can keep working together? Ah, or are yes. you working on the internet? <laughs> well, you know, this is it's a beautiful story. Jean and I have not met. We've been working every day. So we, we talk to each other. As soon as she wakes up, she calls me uh, on uh, FaceTime. And then sometimes we hop on Zoom. And, and often when I, I'm in Mauritius right now, so I'm 11 hours ahead of her. Uh -huh. <laughs> so we together we cover 24 hours. And so, yeah, we often speak once or twice a day um, where we are really living into those questions together of, you know, what, who, are, who do we need to become as to require people for this time? And if there is indeed a shift of an era, which we feel there really is, this, this is what she calls the Renaissance time, right? The rebirth, then Renaissance is about rebirth. So the question is what is being reborn or born anew? So what are these future potentials of this new era that are starting to emerge now really in the consciousness of, of humanity? And that really are on, on the edge of what people are sensing and picking up on. And so what we are doing is in, in our book is living through that process and sharing the stories of the future humans and that whole journey as a quest. So although we haven't physically met, uh, we're very close. <laughs> oh, uh, we do, so we do plan on meeting. Yes, and I will I'll share with you. From Barbara right. But I want to tell you one thing that she always, when I have lunch with her, we would go out to lunch and she would talk about how important it was to watch what we were thinking that our yeah. thoughts created the future. And I've always remembered that, that it was a decision to not get caught up in the problems of the world, but to let your thoughts imagine the world you want. And I was so happy to see seeds today because that's a world we want. We want our, our soil to nurture us. We want it not to turn into dirt. We don't want the 1930 Dust Bowl again. You know, this is our time and we're alive for a purpose. And I look at Richard and I look at it, so many people on this call and I think, 
why are we still alive with the wisdom deep inside us? And Jean Houston, she's no young chicken, but she has energy and energy is what oh, yeah. keeps us into the future. Yes. And thank you for working with her. Yes. Thank you, Barbara. I'm so glad with what you shared. And I'm gonna I will talk to her after after this Absolutely. conversation. So yes, I'm gonna share I with have you. All her books and my favorite is Jump Time. I still love her. Yes, she loves that book too. Yeah. <laughs> love that. Thank you. We love, we love Jean. Oh my gosh. And Jean yeah, is incredible. she's been a real mentor for yeah. me. I've taken a number of her courses and they've all very been very inspirational for me. Yes. Love to have her uh, watch our movie and yeah. uh, join us part of this journey. You won our last night Rotary Club, Arthur, because people were talking about the movie, the PBS movie. And um, they said, we just watched it again. So I just wanted you to know oh, that people oh. are talking about it. Oh, okay. thank you. Yeah, that makes us so happy. Okay, um, here we go. We have Jack, who's like a super, super quick question, comment. Jack, go. I, I want to thank you for my uh, shopping for Christmas for my six granddaughters between 16 and 26 that see me as part of the patriarchal, tie-wearing, Rotarian imperialist. And, uh, and yet we have wonderful conversations about trans, and um, I showed her a, cor a corn that I grew this year and it has the male and female and the leadership of our world needs more me me male and female in it, not male. We've got a way too much corporate and governance going on even in this country of Canada right now, very worrying. And I thank you for a solution that we will be able to unfold through an infrastructure like Rotary. So thank you, thank you, thank you. That is wonderful. Thank you. I think you're doing for doing that for your granddaughters as well. I tell them that they all they need is fresh water, fresh food, fresh air, love and peace. The rest of it's shiny plastic and it's in the ocean. So don't follow the marketing. Go with your gut, which is gentle and telling you the truth and your mind is trying to play with you. I'm, I'm trying to help them that way. <laughs> yes that's great well thank you jack thanks for that comment and thank you all this has been fascinating i'm going to send it back to arthur arthur take it away uh let me just say this has been an extraordinary time fantastic to get to see your video and your work it it really represents a lot of what what gary and we were were working on that marbra's been working on and that uh so many of us richard and everyone and we'll all evolve that so uh thank you so much uh, tell us one more time before I close uh, how people can follow up to uh, uh, actually join SEEDS, uh, how they can uh, go through the Constitution. How do people connect with this and continue? Yeah, so let me put, uh, I just put our, uh, a link for join SEEDS. And if you go completely to the bottom of that website, you also find a link to the Constitution. Uh, so you can read it. Uh, and there are a, in the library also you find on the website a lot of the questions early about what, what is its financial regenerative currency design, for example, all of that is worked out there. There's um, of you, there is sometimes an overwhelm of information for people. <laughs> so go gentle because there are just so many resources and there's stories there from people from all over the world, how they're working with it in their communities. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a lot of ways of, of getting in touch. Uh, I put out a link, Future Humans World, uh, where you can also learn more about the book. And um, there you can always get in touch with us. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, next week. Uh, we have Beatrice, who is part of 
she, she, you'll see a little clip of her actually receiving the Nobel Prize on, the, on behalf of, the, uh, of, of ICANN, which was instrumental in bringing about this nuclear ban. The beginning of actually, it's actually illegal now, not only to have nuclear weapons, but to help anybody who's making nuclear weapons, to, to, to interact in any way to support nuclear weapons is illegal in the world. Very exciting talk. Do come back for that. Invite all your friends to come to it. It's a, it's a very important uh, breakthrough uh, speaker we'll be having. We've been trying a long time to get Beatrice. We're so glad to have her there. Uh, so uh, thank you so much, all of you. Uh, thanks for being a part of another episode of the People Powered Planet podcast. World citizen, lift up your voices. Oh, you know we got something to say. All we need is the same directions, heading in one way. One way.